So good to see you all this morning. We're in our third part in a series titled Unhappy Holidays, talking about how people battle emotionally, and it seems like it's magnified often in the holiday season. So we've talked about a lot of things in this series. It's a three-part series. I would encourage you, if you haven't heard the other messages, go online, bridgechurch.cc, and watch the first two messages today. Really, it's going to be a continuance of the message last week when we were talking about the causes of depression, the causes of depression, the causes of the emotional struggle that we often battle this time of year. And we looked at a couple of those, physical and uh, emotional or, or perspective, physical and perspective issues. And uh, today, we're going to look at the third major cause of uh, depression or discouragement. I've got a slide I think is going to come up here in a minute and affirm these things I'm talking to you about. So um, we talked about physical things that go on, and we talked about our three Bible heroes, Elijah and, uh, uh, who were they? Elijah and Moses and Jonah. Good, good. And so we talked about them and how they battled physically, how they battled in their perspective, and how today we're going to talk about how they battled in their spiritual life, how they battled in their power with God. We're going to discover that these men had gotten away from God. They had got their eyes off of God. And so we're going to carry that thought a little bit deeper today. Our enemy is Satan. Our enemy is the devil. The Bible speaks very clearly about him. We did a sermon series a few months ago or it might even be longer than that. It could be a year ago now. I'm not, I can't really remember when we did that, but it was called Duped. Y'all remember that series? Please say yes. Thank you. And um, no, I don't think I remember that. So we talked about uh, Satan. We talked about how he works. We talked about his strategies. And, uh, you know, one of the things we've learned is that when you're in a war, when you're in a battle, the more you can know about the enemy and how the enemy works, the more effective you're going to be. Well, Satan, the devil who is real, we believe three things about the devil in this church. We believe three things about Satan. Number one, he is a decided fact. He does exist. Number two, he is a destructive force. He has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And number three, he is a defeated foe because of the cross of Jesus Christ and the empty tomb. Can you say amen to that? So our, our enemy, Satan, is a master strategist. Now, here's what you need to know this morning. He knows exactly when to move in. He knows exactly when to attack you with a fit of despondency so you'll take your eyes off God and begin to trust self. When you take your eyes off God and begin to trust self, you're going down. You're going to go down. There are many illustrations in the Bible over and over again of, of great people of faith, great uh, warriors of God, great heroes of the faith, heroes of the Bible who took their eyes off God and spiraled down very quickly. And the Bible put that in there. God put that in his word so we would see that as an example for us. There's a couple of phrases in the Bible that talk about taking your eyes off God and putting your eyes on self, and they are these. The Bible says, do not lean on your what? On your own understanding. 
The Bible says that there was a time in the history of Israel when they did what was right in their own eyes. And when you read these phrases in the Bible, it's very clear that what God is talking about is, is us taking our eyes off him, putting our eyes on ourselves, on our own ability. For these great men of faith, Moses, Elijah, and Jonah, to get so low that they would pray for God to take their life. All three of these men prayed that God would take their life. They said, God, if you love us, you'll take our life. And so for that to happen, for them to pray something so foolish, something so against everything they knew about God, they had to be spiritually weak. They had to be spiritually anemic. They had to have reduced power in their spiritual life, again, looking to self on how to deal with their situations. And let me say to you who volunteer, and let me say to you who serve, and let me say to you who may be here today visiting with us, and you're a minister, or you have ministerial credentials, or you serve in ministry, ministry is not immunity. Ministry is not immunity. Those who are in ministry are subject to discouragement. They're subject uh, to um, getting their eyes off God. They're subject to depression. As a matter of fact, think about this. When did these men of God get in trouble spiritually? When did they get in trouble spiritually in their relationship with God? They got in trouble spiritually when they got in trouble physically. They got in trouble spiritually when they got in trouble in their perspective and how they viewed their life. One writer said, Satan is the kind of friend who if you were in quicksand, he would give you a pat on the head. We don't need that when we're in quicksand, do we? And sometimes when you're battling depression, you feel like you're in quicksand. Satan knows that when you're in difficulty, that is the time to move in for the kill. So when you are battling and when you are struggling, he is going to move in for the kill. It doesn't matter if you're in the pew or the chair or you're in the pulpit. Again, ministry is not immunity. Once we move, move towards self, once we move toward trusting self more than trusting God, we go down. I want you to look in your Bibles in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. I want you to look at Deuteronomy with me. Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 17 through 18. God warns Moses, God reminds Moses of the situation he's in. He says, you must never forget what the people of Amalek did to you as you came out of Egypt. This is very important. Look at verse 18, really important. Remember that they fought with you and struck down those who were what? Faint and what? Weary and lagging behind. And because the children of God were not trusting God, because they were faint in their walk with God, because they were weary in their walk with God, because they were not persevering but rather were lagging behind, then the enemy had no respect, neither did these who were lagging behind, but the enemy as well had no respect or no fear of God as long as he knew God's children did not have a respect or fear of God. God is saying this to Moses. 
He's saying, Moses, you need to remember what the Amalekites did to you and my children when you were coming out of Egypt. Listen to this, because this is where it gets applicable to us. This is where it applies to our life. He says, they didn't attack the spiritually strong. They did not attack the spiritually alert. They did not attack those who were sober spiritually. They came after the weak. They came after the weary. They came after the stragglers. This satanically inspired enemy watched the people of Israel and said, we're going to find those who are weak and faint. We're going to find those who are frail and we're going to come after them first. They'll be the easiest to take down. Listen to me this morning. Listen. When you are physically exhausted, when you are not well physically, especially if you've pushed yourself too hard, you're not getting enough rest, you're not taking care of yourself. When you are weak physically, that is going to lead to you being eventually weak emotionally. When you're weak emotionally and spiritually, it's going to usually result in you taking your eyes off God if you're not careful and becoming weak spiritually. And when that happens, you become a sitting duck for the enemy. He sees it. And he takes advantage of it, and he takes, uh, takes over your life. Satan was the first terrorist. What do we know about terrorists? They are cowards. Terrorists always go after the straying sheep. Terrorists always go after the weak sheep, the defenseless sheep, the most vulnerable little lamb. Satan is a terrorist. He, he never fights an honest war. He never fights an honest battle. One old preacher, when I was a young preacher, I heard him say this, Satan will never meet you in the middle of the road and say, put up your dukes, let's go around. He'll never fight you face to face. He'll never fight you fair. You'll never know when he's coming. Here's a scripture to write down in your notes. Don't go there now, but just write this down in your notes. In Psalm 11, in Psalm 11, the Bible describes the enemy uh, as being stealth, as being an enemy that you won't see coming. He talks about the enemy using a bow and arrow, which is a very powerful and effective weapon, but a very, very quiet weapon. You cannot, listen to me this morning, you cannot be a spiritual straggler. You cannot be, he, the enemy, will take you out if you are a spiritual straggler. 1 Peter 5.8, he's talking to Christians here, be sober. So if you're telling Christians to be sober, then they can be intoxicated on the things of the world. They can be intoxicated on self-perspective. So Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. There's only one lion, and that's the lion of the tribe of Judah. But there is an enemy who tries to come off as a lion. He walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may what? Devour. One more thing about these three heroes that I want you to notice. Not only did they get their eyes off God, but they were all coming off of a great emotional high. All three of these gentlemen, Moses, Elijah, and Jonah, were coming off a great spiritual victory. Let me just remind you what they, what they were. Moses had just come through the miracles of Exodus. 
There's a new movie coming out. I'm anxious to see how biblically accurate it's going to be uh, about Moses leading the children of Israel out of um, Egypt. But Moses saw many, many of the most prominent, outstanding, amazing miracles of all the Bible. He had just come through, and all the children of Israel had just come through the Red Sea dry and safe. And then Elijah had just had a mountaintop revival on Mount Carmel. He called fire down from heaven, and God responded and sent fire, and the people fell on their faces. Even the people of that unbelieving nation fell on their faces and cried out, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. So Moses had just come off a great victory, great manifestations of the glory of God. Elijah comes off the same, seeing one of the greatest miracles in all of Scripture. And now we see Jonah getting delivered from being digested by a fish. That's pretty big. He conducted a very successful citywide crusade where an entire city repented and gave their life to God. So all three of these gentlemen, all three of these Bible heroes are coming off of great victories. So it's important that you recognize that. You know, you'd think after a mountaintop experience like that, they'd be on top of the world. But soon after these great victories, all three of these men are praying for God to kill them. And, and we've seen the enemy do this many, many times. He will, he will let you come off that victory. He'll let you have that victory. It'll look like it was pretty easy. And then he knows human nature. The enemy knows human nature, and he plays off our human nature. He, he, that, we, see, we see teams do this all the time. Some team will play an excellent game, and then the very next game, they'll kinda, it'll kind of go to their head, and they become vulnerable, you know, like Carolina yesterday. But anyway, let me just move on. Let me just go ahead. Don't, don't, let me just go ahead. Let me just preach here. Stay on track. So, <laughs> you knew it was going to come out somewhere. I mean, it had to come out. But seriously, think about it. If you are enjoying a wonderful time in your life, good for you. If you are enjoying uh, a, a financial time in your life when you're being blessed financially, if you're enjoying a, a time uh, with your family, unity in your family, or, or maybe you're just enjoying a time of great health, or you're enjoying a time of successful business ventures, or, or you're enjoying a time of spiritual victories in your life and breakthroughs spiritually in your life, just remember this. It is our nature, it is our nature that when we have victories, especially big victories or multiple victories, it is our nature to glance away from God. It is our nature to somehow think it's always going to be this way or somehow think that uh, what we did last time, all we got to do is the same thing again. It'll all work out fine. And we begin to look to our own wisdom and look to our own knowledge and look to our own skills and experiences. And when that happens, we're in trouble. You'd be surprised how many people there are who are depressed and it's after the holidays, after they've had such a wonderful time, after the presents have been opened. It's an amazing thing. It's almost as if we get built up. The enemy lets us get built up so he can come and try, attempt to knock us down. When did Satan come to Jesus? 
When did he come to Jesus? And you can, you can study this. Don't do it while I'm preaching, but Luke chapter 4. Just write that in the margin of your notes and, and look at that when you get home. But, but here's when Satan came to Jesus. Jesus had just been baptized. And I know there are some people who say they don't believe in the Trinity, but at the baptism of Jesus, we see the Trinity so beautiful, don't we? We see the Son in the water being baptized. We hear the voice of the Father saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove over him. Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Right there at the baptism of Jesus Christ. What an amazing event. What a, an amazing high. Um, Jesus uh, is, is launching out his ministry. You know, uh, and I'll say this quickly about baptism. Some people wonder if baptism is important, water baptism. Do you know Jesus commenced his ministry by being baptized, and he concluded his ministry on earth by telling us to go out and win everyone we can, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So the Bible is clear about the importance of baptism, and this was a great time uh, for Jesus, a, a great time of affirmation and being sent out to do the work of the Father. But then, after 40 days in the wilderness, 40 days of no food, 40 days of isolation, he is worn out physically. No doubt he is stretched emotionally. Yes, he was God, but you have to remember, as surely as Jesus was 100% God, he was 100% man. And the Bible says Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are. He knew what it was to be tired. He knew what it was to be frustrated. He knew what it was to be stretched. He knew what it was to be worn out. He knew what it was to be emotionally worn out. And here comes the devil. Right at that moment, at that particular time, here comes Satan. But Satan did not win with Jesus. And listen to this. He doesn't have to win with you either. He didn't win with Jesus, and he doesn't have to win with you either. Remember that. The same presence of God, the same power of God, the same provision of God that was available to Jesus is available to you. So why did these three Bible heroes get in all this trouble? Because spiritually, they had taken their eyes off the Lord and put their eyes on people. They had put their eyes on self. They had put their eyes on their circumstances. And any Christian who does that is going to get in trouble. They're going to get in trouble. Now I want to switch gears in this message, and I want to conclude by talking about two things. I want to talk to you today, if you're battling with depression, I want to talk to you about some practical things you can do to, to win the war with depression. Now, first of all, and foremost, and above all things, is working on your relationship with God. Working hard on your relationship with God. Maintaining your prayer life. Maintaining your time in the scripture. And I'll talk about some other things coming up. But your relationship with God has more to do with your success over depression than any other thing you can do. I'm going to give you some very physical, practical, everyday things you can do. But please understand me to be saying that none of these things that I'm going to give you will work if you're spiritual life, your relationship with God is suffering. So let me just give you a few things. If you're battling with depression, 
you need to turn to trusted friends and family members. What is the key word in that sentence? Trusted. Yes, trusted. You need to turn to trusted family members, trusted friends. Share what you're going through. You've got to talk about it. You've got to talk about it. Take my word for it. Holding it in, keeping it in, having that battle and, and, and not, not being vulnerable and admitting your struggle to somebody is only going to make it worse. Share what you're going through with the people you love and trust. The people you talk to don't have to be able to fix you. As a matter of fact, I can tell you now, they can't fix you. They just need to be good listeners. You just need to find somebody who knows how to listen. Ask for their help. Tell them how they can help you. Tell them how they can support you in your time of need. You may have retreated uh, from your most treasured relationships, but they can get you through a very, very tough time. So when you're not struggling so much, uh, make a list of people with phone numbers and email addresses that you know, you say, you know what, the next time I get in that valley, the next time I go there, I'm going to make contact with these people. I'm going to let these folks know I, I'm going to, because I know they love me and I know they're going to immediately begin to pray for me. I know that they'll say the right things and I know they know when not to say anything. And so I've got me a list. You know what I think? I think that won't be a very long list. I think that'll be a pretty short list. But you ought to have some people that you know you can say, hey, listen, I just feel that dark cloud coming. I don't know where it's coming from or why it's coming, but I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for me and, and head that off by turning to trusted friends and family. The second thing you need to do is try to keep up your social activities even if you don't feel like it. See, often when you're depressed, it'll feel more comfortable to you to retreat into your shell. But I'm telling you, being around other people, not all other people, <laughs> but being around other people will help you feel less depressed. It, isolation isn't going to help you. It's not going to help you. And I know there are times when you struggle that you just have to have some isolation, and that's fine, but don't get addicted to that isolation. If you don't reach out to others, it's going to be very, very, very difficult for you to come out of that dark place, come out of that pit. And so be around people. Keep up your social activities. Go to those Christmas parties, the good ones. You know what I'm saying? The good ones. Go to those Christmas parties. Uh, go to that when your small group has a party or your ministry group has a party or other Christian friends are having a party. Go to that. You may not feel like it, but I'm telling you, it'll help you. How many times have you been down? How many times have you felt kind of beat up and you thought, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going? I, I know that feeling. I know that feeling well. Millie, Millie has to try to talk me into stuff all the time because I'm like, you know what, I just don't, don't want to go. I just don't want to go to that. And she'll, she'll uh, she, I'm trying to think of a word other than nag, but she'll, she'll, uh, she'll communicate, huh? she'll what? Yes, thank you, thank you. I, I never thought of that. She will encourage you. 
uh, encourage me to go. And then I finally go, and then we get home. I say, you know, I'm glad I went to that. How, how many of you ever done that? You didn't want to go, but then when you got back, you're like, I'm glad I went to that. That, that helped me. How many of you have not wanted to go, and when you got back, you were like, I knew I shouldn't have gone to that. Amen, amen. Okay, so I know they're both ways. Hey, listen, um, you need to join a life group. Now, our small group ministry is called Life Groups. And uh, we have different kinds of life groups. And we would encourage you to get in a life group, get in a small group. And you say, well, I, I've sent in my application. I'm trying. I, I want to get in. I, I haven't got in one yet. Don't give up on that. Keep, keep letting our, our staff know. Keep letting Pastor Andy and his team know. Uh, if you have a big den or a big area where you can host a, a group, we'd love to talk to you. If you could lead a group, we'd love to talk to you. So, the, so one of the reasons people can't get in a group sometimes is because they're all packed out. And we just need more places to have life groups and more leaders. So just step up, let Pastor Andy know uh, if you can help us with that. Being with others for the purpose of community and spiritual growth will greatly reduce your sense of isolation and greatly enhance your chances of coming out of that dark place. You can also be an encouragement. You know what I've found? I've found sometimes when I'm a little gloomy, if I have a chance to bless somebody out of, the, out of my gloominess, if I have a chance to be an encouragement to somebody, I, get, I feel better. I feel better when I help people. You know, volunteering at the soup kitchen, volunteering in ministry, volunteering with some outreach event. If you battle depression, I'm telling you, it's one of the greatest things you can do. Get involved. Be a blessing to somebody. Help somebody. You know, it's kind of like praise and worship. God encourages us to worship him, and when we do worship him, we get lifted up too, don't we? And God encourages us to serve others. And when you serve others, you're lifting them up. But something amazing happens. You get lifted up too as you lift them up. And so, and so be a blessing. Share your experiences uh, in your small group and, and help others. Uh, so the first thing that I wanted to talk to you about in overcoming depression was develop relationships with those who are supportive. Number two recognize and challenge negative thoughts. Recognize and challenge negative thought patterns. Uh, you know, when you're about to go into depression, when you're about to go where you shouldn't go, um, you know, thought patterns start developing and you start thinking the same things and you see that pattern and you know it and you recognize it. So early on, when you hear yourself saying things like, um, I've got to do this right, and if I don't do it just right, I'm a failure. I'm going to, I'm going to be a failure, just like I've been a failure every other time. I can't do anything right. These are those negative thought patterns that will take you into that dark place. They said they enjoyed being with me, but I think they were just trying to be nice. I don't think they really meant it. Um, here, here's another one. I'll never get out of this dead-end job. I, I'm stuck here forever. I'm such a loser. Nothing works out the way I plan or the way I hope. These are thoughts that when you begin to entertain them, when you begin to think on them, it's going to take you to that place. Stop labeling yourself based on mistakes of the past. Stop labeling yourself. And, 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 and you know, a lot of you 
uh, look at shortcomings that you think you had, but you've perceived them as shortcomings. Nobody else sees them that way, but you see them that way, and you think of yourself and even call yourself under your breath and in your mind, I'm a failure, I'm stupid, I'm an idiot, I'm a loser. Those words are not from God. Those words are not from the Lord. And when you hear yourself talking like that and thinking like that about yourself, well, that's you, but then the enemy will join in, and he'll help you, and he will enhance that to get you to go uh, where you shouldn't go in your mind. Stop holding yourself to a strict list of what you should and shouldn't do. Stop holding yourself to a strict list of what you should or shouldn't be or what people think you should be or shouldn't be. Stop uh, beating yourself up. Uh, because you have unrealistic standards that can't be met. Um, quite often, not only do we hold ourselves to standards that can't be met, but we have people in our lives who hold us to standards that they don't even meet in their own life, but they hold you to those standards. And you've got to recognize that, and you've got to know that's a trick of the enemy and not fall in that trap. Let me give you a third major thing you can do. You need to take good care of yourself. You need to take good care of yourself. You need to be in the sunlight. You need to be in the S-O-N light and the S-U-N light. You need to be in both kinds of sunlight. You need to get outside. You need to get good sleep. And the way you do that is develop good sleep habits. And there's awesome information on that about having a routine every night that kind of leads you into a place of good sleep. We've got to learn how to relax. We've got to learn how to get things off our mind. We've got to, and one of the best ways to do that is pre-plan, pre-plan. And then when an attack of the enemy comes, you've got a plan that you're going to fight back with when he comes with this. Here's one I love. Um, and I really think it's, uh, you, you might not think this is good preaching, but I got to tell you, if you got a sweet pet, if you got a pet in your house, how many of you know pets love you unconditionally? You can kick them out the door at night and they're right there, just can't wait to see you the next morning, you know? Not that I've ever done that, I'm just saying that could happen to somebody. But um, uh, so, so pets are good for those who, who battle, or can be. I'm not going to say they always are, but they can be. And listen to this one. See a doctor. See a doctor, especially you men out there. You will not go to the doctor. You men need to learn that it's okay to go to the doctor and get some help. Amen, ladies? Amen. And you ladies too, you know, sometimes we'll fight going to the doctor, and we think if we go to the doctor, it means we don't, we're not trusting God. It's not true. Go to the doctor. Talk to a doctor that can help you. Get a hobby. Do things you enjoy or used to enjoy. Um, exercise. Get some exercise. And when I say this, I don't mean you've got to go get a, a, a membership at the gym. I mean, that's a good thing if you can do that. That's great. But just walk. Just get outside and walk and breathe some fresh air and get out of that house. Get out of that office uh, don't overdo it. That's my main rule when it comes to exercise. Don't overdo it. Make it easy and fun. Make it something you look forward to. If it's something you dread, guess what? It won't last. You won't do it. You'll do it a while, but then you'll lose your enthusiasm and you'll stop doing it. So make it easy. Make it fun. Do it outside as much as possible. Take the stairs rather than the elevator. Park your car in the furthest pot, uh, spot in the parking lot and walk. Uh, isn't it crazy 
that we will sit in our car if we can get two parking spaces closer to the door. We will just sit there and wait. When right behind us, about 15 steps behind us, there's plenty of parking places, and you're like, no, no. I'm going to get one right beside the handicapped guy, you know. And so just park way off and walk up to the store and, and use that as exercise. Uh, pair up with an exercise partner, somebody that will be there with you to talk, hold you accountable. Um, when you're talking on the phone, boy, this gives some of you a lot of exercise. When you're talking on the phone, walk around. When you're texting, don't walk around. Don't walk around, especially if you're at the mall and the mall has a fountain in it. Don't, don't walk around. Spend some time in nature. Hey, make a list of what you like about yourself. Make a list of what you like about yourself and what you like about your life. Because then when that, when that voice comes, you'll be able to get that list out and talk right back to that negative voice. Read a good book. Watch a funny movie or a funny TV show. How many of y'all are going to watch Christmas Vacation this year? I'm going to watch that every year, aren't you? Man. Um, pamper yourself from time to time. You ladies, go get your nails done. You men, don't go get your nails done. Um, get a massage. Go, take care of yourself. Pamper yourself. Take care of a few small tasks. You know, one of the things that will get you depressed is a long list of stuff that you need to do, and you just won't ever do it. You just never do it. So make a list. I'm going to do these three things today. And at the end of the day, you'll have a sense of accomplishment. It'll help you come out of that dark place. Listen to music, good music. Um, uh, break your daily routine. Do something new. Do something different. And then let me give you this final thing on how to help people who are depressed. Because some of you have family members who are depressed, and you don't know what to say, and you don't know how to help them. Here's the biggest thing you can do to help them. Be a compassionate listener. Be a compassionate listener. Being a compassionate listener is much more important than giving them advice. Here's some questions you can ask, and I'll send you my notes if you want them. Here's some questions you can ask someone who's struggling. When did you begin feeling like this? Did something happen that made you start feeling this way? Tell me about it. How, how does it make you feel? What, did, what do you need from me? What can I do for you? How can I best support you right now? Have you thought about getting some help? Have you thought about talking to a doctor? Being supportive involves offering encouragement and hope. This is a matter of talking to a person in a language that he or she understands and will respond to when they're depressed or in this negative frame of mind. Here's some helpful things you can say to a person who's battling depression. You're not alone in this. I'm here for you. You're not alone in this. I'm here for you. Or you're not alone in this. Other great people who've accomplished great things struggle with this too. You may not believe it now, but the way you're feeling right now, it'll change. It'll change over time, and I'm going to walk with you through it. I may not be able to understand exactly how you feel, but I want you to know this. I care about you, and I want to help you. When you want to give up, this is you talking to that depressed person. When you want to give up, just tell yourself to hold on for just one more day or one more hour or even one more minute, 
whatever you can manage, just talk to yourself about holding on and pressing through. Say to that person, you're important to me. Your happiness, your joy is important to me. Tell me what I can do right now. What can I do right now that would help you? Here's some things you never say to a person who's battling depression. It's all in your head. Never say that. Because then you might be unconscious suddenly. So never say that. And never say this. Never say, you know, we all go through this. No. No. There can be people who go through something you've never experienced. Don't say, I know how you feel. This one always helps. Look on the bright side. Yes. Um, don't ever look at somebody and go, I, I don't know what to do. There's nothing I can do about your situation. That's a sense of hopelessness. Don't ever say this. Don't ever look at anybody and say, snap out of it. You just need to snap out of it. Terrible thing to say. Never ask this question, what's wrong with you? What do you think's wrong with you? Or shouldn't you be better by now? Shouldn't you have gotten better by now? These are just some practical things that I hope will help you and be a blessing to you. I would encourage you guys, use this sermon series, especially the last two messages, as we got into some very biblical and practical things. First message was sort of an introduction to the whole thing, and, and I hope you'll find that helpful. But we got in a little deeper in the last two. Share these links with people who you know who struggle. Um, tell them to listen and, and uh, encourage them. Write these down for yourself. If you want the notes of the series, I'll send you my notes, the very notes I preached from, and you can just keep these as things to remind you as you love on somebody who battles or maybe you are somebody who battles. But the enemy, if he can get in our head, if he can get us mentally and emotionally, he knows that even though we might be a Christian, he can put us in neutral so we'll really have no impact for positive on the kingdom of God. Amen.